Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. We felt an extremely productive night for us. We are excited about the players that we were able to add and excited about those guys coming into the program, uh, all for individual you know, reasons. Um, they all bring something different and um, I think will be positive contributors to the organization. That was OKC Thunder general manager Sam Presti talking about the results of a night many fans had eagerly waited for all season. Today, we take a look back on the 2021 NBA draft and analyze the picks and trades Oklahoma City made. We're joined by Thunder beat writer Joe Musato, who gives his insight on why OKC was so giddy to draft the man, Mr. Robinson, and finally get a Wiggins on the team. I'm James D. Jackson, and this is the Oklahoma Sports Insider. All right, we're rolling. Okay, so we can pretty much just jump right into it. Uh, Joe, we pretty much went into this NBA draft blind to what OKC Thunder were going to do, which is common for anybody outside of that organization. But just from your guesses before the draft, was this plan anything like you expected? based off who they picked and the trades that they made? I don't think so. And you said it. I mean, no one ever knows what the Thunder is going to do. I mean, they were tied to Scotty Barnes to begin with, and, you know, his stock rose so much that he went before um, at at the fourth pick to Toronto. And then you heard all the James Booknight noise. He was on the board at number six, and they didn't draft him, and instead draft Josh Giddy, a six-foot-eight guard from Australia, one of the youngest players in the draft. We've been able to see that he's had an impact at the professional level um, already, and he's he's not even 19. I did write a little bit about Giddy. We did like a five things to know about him. So you know, he was on the radar, but um, I don't think any mock drafts that you would look at had him going to the Thunder. I didn't think that was going to be the pick. I think a lot of people thought they would try to move up, and who knows, they might have tried. I mean, Sam Presti says that he always tries to move up. We always, always, always are looking to try to advance and move up. That's the case, like, from every pick. Um, but who knows what that asking price really was. And as it turns out, the Thunder stays at number six. <laughs> A shocking pick to those who thought maybe Book Knight or or someone else would, would would go to them. I mean, why were the why was the Thunder so high on Josh Giddy? What what are they seeing out of him? Well, I sort of compared Giddy to like I mean it's not a perfect comparison, but think Alexei Pokashevsky from a year ago. They drafted him 17th overall, super young, super raw. Um, you know, a seven-footer who can who can dribble and pass and create and largely plays on the perimeter. Giddy's not that same exact guy. He, he's a little bit has a bigger build to him. He's a little bit shorter. Uh, the ability to to make decisions and to see the game at six nine, uh, it helps the team function at a high level. And I said earlier, yeah, I think it really you know he he amplifies the abilities of the players around him. And so I think that's a big. Um, 
That's a big factor in why I think he's valuable. But he basically played full-time point guard. So I, I think it's, you know, about the fit next to Shea Gilgis-Alexander. What does that look like having another ball handler? But the, the two ways those picks are similar is that it shows that Sam Presti likes big guys who can dribble the ball, who can pass, and who are versatile enough to guard multiple positions. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they see in Giddy. Um, I would say it's more of an upside pick than a safe pick. I I don't think Josh Giddy is by any means guaranteed to work out. Time will tell, but I think he's a smart player that has a unique skill set for the size, and he can be kind of placed all over the court. But he's certainly got the tools in the frame where you can project upside, and that's all the Thunder's going after. So Giddy didn't necessarily go to college. Well, he didn't go to college at all. Where did he play it, uh, for those wondering? Yeah, so last year, um, you know, at, at the age of 18, he was a rookie uh, in the NBL. That's Australia's National Basketball League. He played for the Adelaide 36ers. He grew up in Melbourne, Australia. Um, and if you want a comparison, LaMelo Ball. You know, he makes other people better. And um, that's a really, I think, important trait as we continue to add, you know, other players to our team. He actually played in the Australian Basketball League and then came to the NBA uh, before being drafted by the Hornets. LaMelo Ball was Rookie of the Year in Australia. Josh Giddy won Rookie of the Year in Australia. Uh, Giddy certainly isn't the prospect that LaMelo Ball was, but both guys who took similar routes, the only difference is LaMelo is, of course, from the U.S. and went over there, and Giddy opted to stay in Australia to start his pro career. And just a, well, I've got two fun facts for you, James. One, um, among his scholarship offers was OU. So he, he could have played college basketball in the States, but he decided to turn pro. And the second fun fact, um, his sister, Hannah, um, is a basketball player at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa. So <laughs> a, a really weird connection that the, the Giddy family now has two Oklahomans. Mm-hmm. And I would suspect that runs by Sam Presti's ear, knowing that Giddy has those ties to Oklahoma, because obviously that can make him more loyal to the state and the team. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I certainly didn't know about uh, his sister being here <laughs> before then. I, I don't think that, like, you know, decided the pick, but it's certainly a good add-on. I mean, it, it's a good perk that, you know, there's there's family here, there's that connection, like you said, as far as, um, you know, having her close by. And also... Presti just loves international prospects. Last year they had three picks and they drafted three international guys. This year with their first pick at number six, they draft another international guy. So um, I, I think in a way it's Presti thinking that the Thunder's like international scouting intelligence might be a little better um, than some other teams. And it's made it even harder during COVID to scout international guys, but clearly they felt confident enough to do it to get Josh Giddy. Yeah, so we, we talked we talk a lot about Gideon. I know there's there's a, plenty of other things that happened in this draft, especially in the Thunder's end. Just talk about some of the trades that Presty made throughout the night. Why, why did some of those go down? Well, I think the biggest one that probably made Thunder fans the most mad is that the Thunder had picked 16 and 18, and at 16, 
Um, Alperin's Shangun was on the board. He's mm-hmm. the big Turkish center. Um, you know, think Ines Cantor also from Turkey. He was even compared to Cantor. He's just a, one of the best scorers in the draft, but an old school big man with slow feet. And you wonder how he's going to defend in the NBA. But anyway, Sengun was the top player on a lot of boards, on a lot of like analytical based boards with how he would project in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And the Thunder, as we've talked about, don't have any centers on the roster. So a lot of people thought Sangoon might be the pick there. Instead, they trade it to the Rockets, who take Sangoon, and then the Thunder gets two future first-round picks um, via the Wizards and the Pistons. And I can't list off all of the protections, but they're in like 2023 and 2025. And Presti just couldn't turn down the chance to get two more first-rounders. It was just, it was way above the line for the general value of that pick. And, um, you know, we're going to we're gonna probably make that decision most of the time. Which, you know, some people say, how many is enough? And clearly, <laughs> um, as many as they have isn't enough. Um, but they like Trey Mann, the Florida guard, at the 18th pick, so they decided to keep that one. So we traded 16 uh, to get two really solid future first-round picks, and we really liked Trey Mann and felt like we'd be able to, to get him um, a little bit later at 18. So it was just... Um, it was evaluation of the asset. Another guard, he's 6'5", um, one of the best shooters in the draft. Giddy's not a great shooter, man is. He shot 40% from three. But that's what, what they did at 16 and 18, I think that's the point in the draft that we'll look back on and see how it worked out. Mm-hmm. And you, you kind of mentioned Trey Mann, and you wrote an article pretty, pretty much earlier in the year about how Trey Mann is one of the best shooters in this draft. And that seems like something that Presti hasn't done very often is drafting a you know, a standout shooter just that can already shoot as he enters the NBA. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, he's not like the quote-unquote thunder guy like we talk about, those like bigger wings who can't really shoot the ball. Trey Mann is a little bit smaller, um, but just a, you know, a perfect complimentary two-guard, I think, is what they want him to be next to Shea Gilgis Alexander. Maybe he plays some on the ball. Um, but he's known as a really good pull-up shooter, um, has a pretty good handle. He uh, w- he was a big-time recruit. He played two years at Florida, wasn't so great as a freshman, uh, then just had a huge leap as a sophomore and became one of the best players in the SEC. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's a good idea to take a, to take a, a shot on shooting um, at, at that point in the draft um, because the Thunder certainly lacks in that area. They were one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the NBA last year, and even historically since arriving, they haven't been a very good three-point shooting team. So Trey Mann is, you know, one of the guys that you see, okay, can this guy turn it around? Now, Joe, this this final, the final question of this podcast, was Sam Presti ever actually going to trade SGA like some of these reports (laughs) that came out said he would? I mean, I'll never say never because he does stuff that, none of us would ever predict, but I, I can tell you with, with 100% certainty that the reports involving Shea being included with the six pick, moving up to one or moving up to three, I think they were completely baseless. I, I don't think there was anything from the Thunder's standpoint that they were willing to include Shea Gilgis Alexander in a trade in this specific draft. I think what I've learned and I think all of our players understand is that we live in the age of social media and 
people are going to manufacture things. Um, to me, it never made sense. I mean, Shade just turned 23. He's still on his rookie contract. I think he's going to sign a max extension this summer. And so at the end of the season, I said, we're really looking forward to having a conversation with Shea uh, when we have that opportunity. Um, nothing's changed in that respect. I'm still really looking forward to that. You know, I, I, I've said this over and over and over again, but um, if you ask me who do I think is going to be the better NBA player, Shea Gilders Alexander or Cade Cunningham, I'll pick SGA. And that's not because I'm low on Cunningham. It's just because the draft is full of unknowns. And we, we know Cade Cunningham is a premier prospect, but it's still impossible to project exactly how he's going to turn out. We don't even have to project with Shea Gilders Alexander. We know he's almost an all-star. I think he's going to be a multiple-time all-star. So I think all that noise you were hearing was other teams putting that out there. Um, and I'll say this, if the Thunder's in the same spot three or four years from now, if Shea is coming to the end of his next contract and they're still, you know, drafting in the lottery, trying to figure out, you know, which 18 and 19 year olds are going to stick. By that point, Shea's going to be like 27. Then you then you have those conversations moving him in his prime uh, when his trade value is at the highest. I don't I don't think it made any sense to do now. And I don't think the Thunder had any intention of doing it. Makes perfect sense. Well, hey, Joe, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it. Always fun. Thanks, James. We'll be right back. I think we're just always trying to layer the team with, uh, at the draft at least, with, with young players that we feel like have the opportunity to plug into our environment, um, benefit from um, the, the, the people and resources here, and ultimately um, kind of give energy back to the program and create an, an environment where, where other people can thrive and get better. If you enjoyed this podcast with coverage Joe Masato gave over draft night, visit the Oklahoma website and consider subscribing. There's much more in store. I'm James D. Jackson, and this has been the Oklahoma Sports Insider. We'll talk soon.